Uh, all right. What are we going to oh, we're going to talk uh, about we got some good news now. We we had the bad news I think for a little while. Let's do some good news. Afrikaans magazine Freya Wirkblatt is named Gift of the Givers founder Dr. Imtiaz Schulman as the person of the year due to his excellent work of serving the people that his organization Gift of the Givers continues to do. His team have responded to the needs of countless people affected by a wide range of natural disasters which we've had recently, floods, famines, tsunamis, earthquakes, wars, explosions. And the doctor joins us now, Dr. MTS Suleiman. Thank you very much for joining us. And congratulations on one of many awards you've got towards the end of this year, or last year. Yeah, good, uh, yeah, good, good afternoon. Thank you very much. Thanks for the invite. Uh, let's talk about the year. It's been a rough year for the country. What has it been like for Gift to the Givers? It's been probably our busiest year, but it also runs in, you know, it, it's, we have to look at the back, uh, the back history. We've been running crazy since March 2020 with the onset of COVID. Mm, mm. My teams have been busy, you know, supporting hospitals running right into almost December 2021. Besides other projects, the COVID, you know, kept us busy in 210 hospitals nationwide, doing upgrades of hospitals, putting boreholes, providing PPEs, oxygen machines, setting up dedicated oxygen COVID wards, and a whole range of things that we did, supporting staff, bringing in scrubs, it ran into hundreds of millions. And then in addition to that, of course, you had the lockdown, which meant there were many hungry people in the country, which also needed support. We delivered close to 1.4 million food parcels. <laughs> we did supported hundreds of soup kitchens in various areas, which we are still doing right up till now. And then in July of 2021, came the civil unrest in KZN. Again, we had to quell that quickly and get to different areas and deliver tons of food parcels in every area, calm people down, and let things settle very, very well. And those set of projects kept us busy with upgrading schools and, and businesses. We supported a lot of businesses that were affected because of the 2021 civil So we did a lot of support for that also. And before that, the year 2019, we were caught up with Cyclone Idai in Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and Malawi at the same time. We had teams in three countries at the same time. And at that point, there was floods in Denmark also. So it, it's a long history. And then into this year, of course, there were floods in Mdansane early in the year in East London. And then came uh, our big intervention in Close Refuge, where hundreds of people required medical attention. And then came the big one, the KZN floods, which has kept us busy right till now. And we're still going to be busy in the, in the weeks and the months to come, doing schools up, upgrades, infrastructure at schools, boreholes, building, rebuilding homes, supporting people with food parcels, supporting kids with school uniforms and stationery, all that kind of stuff. And in between all this, you get the fires in Cape Town, the floods <laughs> in Soweto, the, oh. all the ends everywhere. And then the other two big ones was the intervention in, in Tabeha. But day zero, we drilled 45 boreholes in the city to try to save them from the water crisis. And then just a few weeks ago, there was a huge fire which would have engulfed the entire city, you know, and, and if we had not brought in helicopters and planes to water bomb the, the, those fires, it took us six days. And we eventually, we settled that fire, which came right to malls, came right to homes and to schools, and there was no way to put it out, but there was trucks going with there. And then we brought in four planes, we managed to put it off. And and then, of course, right now in Cape Town, we're busy in Dunun, in Omzamo, in Masibubulele, and in the Duan. There's fires there, all over. And, and last week we were caught up with the box book tank explosion. Mm. So it never stops. Uh, Doc, I want to go back to the beginning. How did Gift of the Givers start? Well, it was basically not, it was not my idea. I didn't get up one morning and say, okay, I think I'm going to form an organization, get some founder members, write a constitution. That never was in my thought process. 
But I met a spiritual teacher in Turkey in August 91. I went back in August 92. And on the 6th of August 92, on a Thursday night at 10 p.m., after a prayer session, the spiritual teacher looks me in the eye and in fluent Turkish, and I don't understand a word of Turkish, mm. but I understood every single word that he said that mm. night. He said, my son, I'm not asking you. I'm instructing you to form an organization. The name in Arabic will be Wakful Wakifin. Translated, Gift of the Givers. It will serve all people of all races, all religions, all colors, all classes, all cultures, of any political, of political affiliation and of any geographical location. But you will serve them unconditionally. You will expect nothing in return, not even a thank you. This is an instruction for the rest of your life. And remember that whatever you do is done through you and not by you. I asked him, what exactly am I supposed to do? He told me one line. You will know. Hmm. For 30 years, I do know what to do, how <laughs> sure. to do, what not to do, what to touch, what not to touch. Hmm. How did you convince others to join you with that story? It sounds like a wonderful story, but now you've got to convince people that they must join you and, and, and also hold hands with you. Well, it's part of the family. The family brought the first financial support. Now my funds, my family, you know, family around me, in-laws, all got together. And people, I, I had done some projects previous to that. Mm -hmm. Before gift of the givers, and I was active in, in school. I was active in you know, medical school and university. I was involved in associations, school governing bodies, and then all lot of different things. And I've done projects to Mozambique, to Bangladesh, to, to Iraq, and so people knew me to some extent. And as we started putting our own money and started doing projects, and media started traveling with us, people saw that this was not a religious thing or a class or related to one group or other. Mm. It was a humanitarian issue. And in a period of time, the support started multiplying. The big change came in 2017 when we intervened in an Eisenhower fire. And people saw our skill, what our search and rescue teams, medical teams, our support for the environment, for the bees, for the plants, and everything that we did. And soon after that, supporting Sutherland, that was collapsing. The ship comes dropping from 440,000 right to 30,000 because of drought. It built 238 boreholes to save the area, all at our cost. We sent in millions of rands of fodder. And we got involved in day zero in Cape Town in 2019, drought in Makanda in uh, 2018, sorry. Makanda drought in 2019. And of course, with COVID and civil unrest and the floods, our, our profile was huge in the country. We didn't have to convince anybody to support us. Mm. It just comes on its own. Who you, you keep referring to we. Do you have uh, thousands of people in the employee or in the volunteer of Gift of the Givers? No, there's two. I have 90 people that work for Gift of the Givers. We have no volunteers that do our daily work. No volunteers. Right. I believe in all full-time staff because I can hold them responsible if something goes wrong. <laughs> right. I can't hold a volunteer responsible. Yeah. Right? So it's all 90 full-time staff which covers the entire country and then, of course, covers warehouses, truck drivers, rocky drivers, forklifts, ice drivers, factors, accountants, you know, mm -hmm. social media teams, admin guys, corporate management guys, and that kind of stuff. Then we have offices in Malawi, Zimbabwe, Somalia, uh, Gaza, Adamala, uh, 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 in uh, Syria, Turkey, and Yemen. And there around there, I have about close to 450 staff. A large component is about 320 staff that run one of the biggest hospitals that we run in Syria since the time of the onset of the war. And then those are all my full-time staff. My volunteer teams 
uh, all, and of course I have, I have volunteers in inverted commas that serve on our counseling service. We have a counseling line that listens to all people's, people have troubles, naughty children, marital issues, drug problems, you know, depression and all that kind of stuff. So we have support groups, we have counseling services face-to-face, online, you know, and all, you know, on, on the phone line, that kind of stuff. We have groups that go out for the civil unrest, for the floods in case, and then we have to go to companies and, and talk to them. Sometimes when there's an explosion or a fire or a mess, that's schools or cousins or scholars to come and talk to their staff. Now those, I say volunteers, because they're not full-time staff, but I pay them for the hours that they serve me, okay. because everybody needs money, to, needs money today. The real volunteers are the medical and the search and rescue teams. I've got close to 300 or more on standby, and now I've actually got the whole company on standby. Since our inter- intervention in, in, in COVID, the medical guys from mm. all over want mm. to be part of us. So we have a huge so, you know, in every discipline, from dental to optometry, to ophthalmology to general surgery, vascular surgeons, neurosurgeons, primary healthcare workers, physiotherapists, ordinary nurses, we got a range. Sure. And South Africans are absolutely phenomenal in, in terms of wanting to give their time and to support. With the Boxburg explosion last week, I made a call and my team said, we're ready. Yeah. We'll come, we're ready to come from Cape Town, from Durban, from Newcastle, any part of the country, you need us, we're there to support ourselves. Dr. Intias, Intias Solomon, where does the money come from? The teacher told me, I will never look for money. As a policy, we don't have fundraisers. Yeah. We don't have anybody collecting money in the organization. That's a policy. You know, corporates approach us, the public comes to us, pensioners, school kids, ordinary people, women who run their own businesses, people at home, small, small home businesses, and then the large corporates. And, and recently, we're starting to get from international facility institutions also, from international companies. Some money comes from embassies. But it's been a process. I mean, it, it started over a period of time, and it has grown. And if, besides the cash, of course, we get the option. They offer us, do you want 100000 in cash? Or do you want three containers of food items? Mm. And we take the three containers of food items, which is worth close to half a million. Men. So we won't take the money. We'll take the goods. Just three weeks ago, before we shut down, company called call one farm. They, in South Africa, they, they sort of coordinate. The, uh, it's a coordinating organization of surplus uh, vegetables and fruits in, you know, in the country. They gave us 350 tons hmm. of supplies, and they said this is going to be an ongoing process. Then uh, earlier, in the, uh, well, I mean New Year now, uh, uh, late last year, in around, I think it was September, August, September, when the, uh, the farmers called us from the Tobak region and said we've got plums, and some other fruit, fruit uh, there's two or three different types of peaches, I think, some other types of fruit. We can't export it to Ukraine because of the war. Mm. It's all going to go to waste. Please send your trucks and collect. And I mean, there are tons of that stuff. Yeah. And, 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 and then, oh, the other big one, in the other thing that I didn't mention earlier, is we had a major intervention in the Eastern Cape from Butterworth area onwards, where kids were dying because of hunger. Yeah. You know, and there's lots of hunger in the country there and all over. We intervened. We spoke to the health department. We got the dietitians together to educate the people as to why you need to come to hospital early. And we started rolling out a thing called easy peanut paste. Protein enriched, you know, but with uh, micronutrients, very tasty. The kids love it. It, it, it does an incredible job. We, start, we paid for it, and we started distributing it. The company that originally originated the idea is based in Norway. They saw our social media posts. They came back to us. And they said, we'd like to support your hunger program in South Africa. 
and we will give you 15 containers of the of the items, which added up to 25 million rand. Doc, there, there are calls, it's on WhatsApp and SMS now saying, why don't you stand for office and change this country from inside the political realm? It's been that call has been going for quite some time now, mm. you know, from the time of the civil unrest. And I can't. The spiritual teacher had the vision in 1995. He told me this in 1995, that you will never be in government, you will never work for government, you will never be in politics, but you will always work with government. And I've been pushing the message for a long time that we need to hold government's hand to hold the good guys in government. Everybody in the government is not a bad guy. You know, there's good people and bad people everywhere. And there's good people in government, good civil servants, people who want to do the right thing, and they just need the support of the country. And I said, that's my role, to bring the country to work with the good guys in government whilst asking them to strengthen their own institutions, to play out the corruption, the failures, you know, the, 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 the lack of response, the systems, to make sure that people in our country don't suffer the way they are suffering. Yeah. And that call is starting to be heated, and we have to have one basic point to understand, that 7, 7 million people's taxes can't look after 65 million people. No matter who the government was, which country they came from, what they did, what they got, 7 million people's taxes are not going to look after 65 million people especially if a large portion of that 65 million are unemployed. The fact that a large number of youth that are unemployed are sitting idle, there's not enough income. But everything else that has happened, with COVID, the, the fuel price, the inflation, the house prices, everything going upside down, you know, and, and not being able to do proper business. All those things are changeable. We can fix it. But we need the judicious use of money, everybody to play their part, to have honesty and integrity, and collectively to support each other, we can fix country. Do you have faith that South Africa can do that? Based on all those negative things you see, all the horrible things that you, you have to go to and, and, you, and you support, do you have faith in South Africa? Yes. That faith is based on one fact. And on 27 April 1994, the country didn't burn. The whole world's media came here, and they came with their war rooms to see South Africa go up in flames. And the South African people showed the integrity, their faith, their resilience, their act of compassion, and they said, this is the time we can do it. Nobody did it. They didn't say, we're in power now, let's do what we want and take revenge. Nobody was vengeful. Nobody attacked anybody. People were oppressed for years, who disappeared, in detention without trial, who disappeared, didn't know where the family members were buried, where they were taken, how they were killed, came back very forgiving. Now, if I travel to other countries, and I see sectarian violence, religious violence, people from the same street, same religion, same color, same locality, tear each other apart. We're in a far better space than that. So the basic point is we're not, you know, we don't have that kind of crisis. We don't have measles and bombs falling on our head like what's happening in Ukraine. We don't have that kind of problem. That's the first thing. Secondly, I've seen hunger from 1994 right up to now. In, in fact, when we had the World Summit on Sustainable Development, hundreds of kids died in Eastern Cape in 2002 and 2003. And up till now, there's lots of hunger in the country, but people haven't risen. You know, they've been patient. They've been hoping that somebody will come and help them. There's areas without water for, for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. People still have not, com- have not complained. So we have a very patient population. It doesn't mean we've got to take advantage of them. We need to do something. And, and to me, the real change came after 94 was during the COVID of 2020. And corporate South Africa suddenly put compassion into commercialization. And they said, 
We're not worried about tax certificates. We're not worried about PBO. I mean, we're not worried about BE points. We only worried how to save our people and our country. We've seen suffering. We've seen what hardship is when our companies closed, when our staff lost their jobs, family members lost their jobs, people died, and they said, this happens to poor people every day in our country, and our eyes are closed. And they said, COVID has opened our eyes. We need to do more. When the floods came this year, and I mean last year, sorry, we keep thinking the new year now, in, 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 in last year in April 2022, 11th April is a night I won't forget. Up to one o'clock in the morning, I was getting calls. And I was thinking in every call, somebody's going to tell me, send me a helicopter, yeah. send me a diver, send me a boat, send me this, that, and the other. Not a single call for assistance. The only calls we got at one o'clock in the morning was from corporate South Africa. What do you need and how much do you need? We need to save our people. When you have that kind of sentiment, and the last point, when you have guys in working in public health where it can be horrendous, where you've got monsters in charge of a lot of hospitals, you know, any department who are bureaucratic, red tape, who run you down, who try to sanction you and push you out of the system, those are the anti-patriots, you know, the guys who are the traitors, I call them that, call them what they are. And they put back people who serve with distinction, poor people, when those people, those those same qualified personnel who go and study further and I ask them, now you've got a chance to be in private practice and you can make a lot of money. They said, I didn't study further to go into private practice to make a lot of money. Mm. I studied further to go back to help my people mm. in my community who need my help. Can we save this country? But people like this, yes, we can save anything. Dr. M.T.R. Suleiman, thank you very much on behalf of South Africans and keep up the good work and thank you for being there.